Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. When you pick up some scratches cause you want a fun break The playful way you scratch is the next choice you should make You can make your dog's leg kick and scratch with that You could even grab a laser pointer and use your cap You could build yourself a homemade scratching machine Or use a piece from your chest set Go ahead, grab the queen Scratch like a DJ with your record player A cactus could scratch off that scratchable layer Cause when it comes to scratching, there's a million playful ways Thanks to scratchers from the California lottery A little play can make your day Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase, play, or claim. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also, small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. Somebody please think of the children! And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. And each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guest is Clayton Jones. He is the creator and co-host of the Men Who Like Men Who Like Movies podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. We're excited to chat with you. Uh, so let's, let's, let's start from um, your podcast and your creative stuff. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about um, men who like men who like movies? Of course, I would love to. Um, a few years ago, um, I had never listened to a podcast in my life ever. But my friend and I, uh, over a decade, we always just talked about movies all the time. It's all we talked about in great detail. And none of my other friends ever wanted to talk about stuff like that. And it was just like, man. And he started listening to horror queers, I believe, and mm. was like, podcasts are great. And I still was like, I don't want to listen to podcasts. And he finally got me to listen to one of their episodes. And I was like, okay. And then I just started listening to podcasts all the time. And people had been telling us 
for a while, even before this, you guys should start one. And um, finally, I was like, couldn't be too hard. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we always say that. Yes. <laughs> ah, famous, famous last words. It sounds easy to do a podcast. I'll do that. <laughs> Yes, I think I still would have done it. But <laughs> oh, same. Oh, yeah, absolutely yeah. wouldn't trade it for the world. But it is way more work than a lot of people expect. Like editing, oh and I'm, like it's. And I think what people also don't think about is the research. Like watching the movies ahead of time, like mm-hmm. also counts. And I, I also forget to count that. Like how the time we spend prepping too. Like I don't think. Yeah, I don't think about that sometimes. And promoting, like it's a lot of time. Uh, right. Yeah. I, I don't even think we had released our first episode yet. We were just in the process of like doing everything before it. And anyway, when Bodies, Bodies, Bodies came out. And uh, so we're sitting there in the audience at different theaters because we live several hours away from each other. And Alice goes on her podcast rant. <laughs> and, uh, yes. we sank a little lower in our seats and we're like, oh, that's funny. And the more time goes on, the funnier that rant gets about a podcast it's, is a lot of hard work as I she's was, like, like covered in blood and sobbing <laughs> like i was like cheering i was like podcast representation that's the most accurate podcast. <laughs> i was laughing so hard in the movie theater when that happened i was like oh my god i feel seen <laughs> because you know you you see like I, I forget i think it was was it adam adam divine is that his last name divine divine with one of those he's like in yeah, he's like in in uh, Pitch Perfect. Pitch Perfect. Divine. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think it's Devine, but again, he was like hired and he was doing a podcast. He's like, yeah, podcast is easy. You just get up there and you talk, and then you're done. Like, uh, must be nice to be rich and famous, yes. and be able to hire a team <laughs> to do all the other shit to do to prep your nails and do all that kind of stuff. So you just have to sit in the booth and just talk for an hour. Must be nice. Yeah probably have like notes pre-written for them and yeah (laughs) well i mean like so many of those podcasts too like and this isn't like a bad thing but like they're not movie podcasts i feel like are such a different beast than like a kind of chatting podcast Mm -hmm. because i feel like Mm. a lot of the time like celebs just like have friends on and they chat and not to like downgrade that but like we have to like a lot of podcasts involve so much research and prep it's not just like shooting a shit and that's like that's not that is kind of what a podcast is, but it's not what a podcast is, if that right. makes sense. <laughs> I will say though, the podcast community is wonderful. Everyone has yeah. been so collaborative. If I needed help with something, people reached out and helped me with what I needed to do. People I mean, I think everybody asked to be a guest pretty much has agreed and came on and it's been a really great really great time. And uh, I, that was surprising. I finally was just like, oh, I found my people. They like movies as much as I do. <laughs> well, then, so how did you get into movies? Like, how did that, like, how did, what was, like, what was your relationship with film? Have you always been this way? How did you kind of become a person who loved movies? Oh, that is a story as well. Um, <laughs> I grew up extremely religious. I mean, that's a real scarred for life. Am I right? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Um. And so I was not allowed to watch much as a kid. It was very clean on a VCR. um, No going to theaters, nothing like that. I remember my first really big like movie experience that made an impact on me as a child was Beauty and the Beast. I was sitting there and the beast died and I'm little enough. I'm not thinking, well, of course he's not dead. And I was sobbing. I was so upset. And then he came back and I was like, whoa. 
I didn't process this in the same way as a child, but it, looking back, it was like the way that stories could move you and everything in just this different way. And so I was just like, this is really mm. cool. And just how films were. And I just devoured them. What little I was allowed to watch growing up. I just loved them. Every single how, kind, you know, musicals. How old uh, were you when you saw Beauty and the Beast? Do you know? Do you remember? Oh, I'm not sure. I was little. I was born at the yeah. very end of 88. So. Okay. Yeah. I was very little. And um love James Bond movies. You know, the ones that were PG that I was allowed to see. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so was it like um, a, a rating? Uh, like, were you just allowed to see like G and PG or? Yeah, it was a rating thing. And also it depended on the rating. Like there was, if there was a lot of like innuendo or something, like I wouldn't be allowed to watch it or I don't know. It was, you know, it's whatever. I have spent a lot of my life playing catch up on all the things that I had missed out on, which is another really fun thing for the podcast. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's true. Well, so then how did you like get introduced to horror? Like when did you kind of start wading into the world of horror movies? That was after I know what you did last summer came out. And okay. whenever it would have okay. premiered on, I believe, HBO or something, you know, and we did not have HBO because we did not have television because that was, you know, a sin, obviously. <laughs> and uh, we were at a hotel for some reason, and I had seen a commercial for I Know What You Did Last Summer coming on that night, and I was like, oh, that looks really cool. And uh, I would have been little because, you know, that came out in 97. I would have been mm -hmm. young. I'm not sure how much longer it would have been before it was on HBO, but, you know, maybe a year. And right. so I stayed up after my parents went to bed and watched I Know What You Did Last Summer on television and Holy was cow. enthralled. It was deliciously spooky. It scared me. I was like, this is great. This is such a fun feeling. I love this. And I've been chasing that high ever since. Hell yeah. That's awesome. That's amazing. Did your parents ever find out? Um, I think I told them at some point later, like years later but i was obsessed and then i got so excited when the second one came out and i even loved that because i was very young and i still am ha i have affection for it but i will agree it's you know objectively not great and i was very very excited to hear about the upcoming possible legacy yeah. sequel i literally about screamed and like texted three people <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the third one wasn't there a third one I'll I pretend that doesn't exist. I have seen it. Yes, <laughs> I've never seen that one. I've don't. only seen the first two. Yeah, and Jack don't. Black with the uh, with dreads was like, I'm I'm done. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I blocked that out. It's uh, <laughs> not a huge Jack Black fan in the best of times, and uh, -uh. Oh, okay. Some uh, comedians just look like they. I feel like they're trying too hard, and I don't know. He just. <laughs> it doesn't work for me. I get that everybody loves him. And I've also never seen School of Rock. So that could have been, you know, that could be the game changer for me. If you don't like him, I don't think that I don't think it'll change it for you. If you don't, if you think he's trying too hard, I don't think School of Rock's going to change it for you. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I love usually School of Rock and I love Jack Black, but like, I just don't think that's going to change it for you. <laughs> I did think he was very funny in Jumanji. Um, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So it's not like one. a blanket hatred for him. It's just. I just haven't seen him in, and usually School of Rock is what is cited as why people love him so much. He's really good mm, in that one. I'm, I'm more of a fan of his, his musical side than, than his comedic side. Mm. Although he has I a fun know. YouTube channel. Oh, I'm of sure. Course, of course he does. Of course he does. <laughs> I think he created it during like pandemic. <laughs> oh yeah. His TikTok too. 
But so you said that Clayton, you that you still you like you liked being scared. You like that feeling. Do you get scared now still, or are you desensitized to horror a little bit? Oh, I still get scared, but it's uh, in a different way. Um, okay, yeah. Like most recently, like Skinnamarink, I thought was fucking terrifying. It fucking was Jesus, good yeah, lord! It really worked for me. <laughs> But I'm not going to, like, I'm <laughs> not embarrassed to say this. For two nights after I saw that, if I was walking through the house at night, I was freaked out. I slept with the light on, and I was like, I haven't felt like that since I was, like, 13 years old. That was amazing. Uh, thank Hell you, yeah. Ugh. Love that. It does a good job of bringing you back to that that childhood fear of the dark. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, I remember walking up from the basement up to my room and being like, uh, this is kind of dark in here. Why am I walking with the lights off? Because that's what I normally do. But yeah, no, I, I get that. I'm glad that movie worked for you because it's sort of hit or miss with people. Yeah. I mean, I like experimental stuff. I like stuff that's different. Um, I mean, I love Climax. I watched Climax multiple times and that is a movie that is not for a lot of people. That's true. Saw that for the first time with Mary Beth. Oh, what do you guys think? Oh, yeah, that's right. You did. Oh, yeah. God, that was a while ago. That was a long time ago, it feels Lord. like. Good old Gaspar French Noe cinema. Is, yeah, Gaspar <laughs> Noé is hit or miss for me, but I do really I really like Climax. I do mm-hmm. really enjoy it. I think the opening sequence is absolutely fucking incredible. Like, one of the best opening sequences of all time. I think uh, Gaspar Noé is, like, again, hit or miss with like with him, and I do love, like, violence in front, New French Extremity, but and I think this one is one of my favorites of his for... Sure. I would agree. That's I will absolutely watch... nightmarish. But yes, I will watch that opening sometimes if I'm just bored. I'm like, I'm gonna sit and watch this for 15 it's minutes so because go- it's, it's just the dancing. It's just so good. I think that is the only of his movies I've seen. Really, some yeah. of them are really good. Son, None of them are like easy watches. But um... no. My gosh, do you remember when someone almost brought Irreversible to the podcast? I forget who it was, but oh my god, I know. I was like. Uh, do I have to? <laughs> and they changed like, the last they minute. They saw that like, as a uh, child? Yeah. I think we had to, like, yeah, or, like, I think we had to explain, like, you had, you were a little bit, I think they were too, a little bit too old for it to be considered, like, part of the podcast. I was like, that yeah, movie was exactly like that. It was, like, deeply traumatized me as an adult. I couldn't imagine even trying to process <laughs> that as a child. I, I, there are some I movies that people have brought here that I'm like, I don't understand. I don't understand. Martyrs, for instance. I don't. I could not imagine seeing that as a kid. Yeah, I think High I watched that baby. when I was in college. High school, baby. But obviously, we know how I. You're turned so out, edgy so. and mature. <laughs> I, literally, that's what I thought. I was like such a little brat in high school. I was like, I watched uh, Human Centipede by myself on my portable DVD player last night from Netflix. Like, what are you gonna what do about it? What did you do? Uh, yeah, like, what did you DVD do? They like had a life and like saw, like went out, and I was like, well, I watched Antichrist by Lars von Trier in the dark. Uh, that's a movie. I've never seen that it either. Is. It's a movie. Uh, it's Terry, a movie. You, you need to. Get into your depressing. Yeah. Uh, Do I though? I'm not a fan yeah. of his. <laughs> I was gonna say, Melancholia <laughs> is a beautiful, beautiful film. I've not seen the that best one. That representation one, that is the of one depression I, I have ever seen. Melancholia Kirsten is good. Dunst that one I like. Knocked out of the Rare. Part. I've seen the house that Jack built, which I absolutely hate. <sighs> I despise that, that movie. movie so much. Yeah. Uh, and then the one with Nicole Kidman. Oh God, Dogville. Yeah. Because I was the like, one that's where the she's one I like, it's like a, 
like the weird state. It's like a stage play. Uh-huh, it's like very uh-huh. much dogma ninety five. Like yeah, no, not not that's not dogma, but like yeah. Oh wow, wow, you've seen that's a fascinating range of last Lars <laughs> well, you've seen. You know, I've seen Dogville <laughs> and the House Chapel. Listen, I am I am a Nicole Kidman gay, and I was obsessed. Oh, we are. I ordered that one from eBay as like a a bootleg DVD because I was like, I got to see this movie. I got to see Nicole Kidman because I was obsessed. And then I was like, I don't remember ever finishing it. (laughs) Did you ever like, (laughs) Like, what the fuck is this? Nicole, I found my limit. This is too much for me. I'm going to go watch Moulin Rouge. (laughs) (laughs) Go back to that, Just go watch that instead. Speaking of Moulin Rouge wow. Soapbox, why is that movie not available on 4K yet? Thank you. That one begs for it. All the colors. Yeah. I saw that in theaters the for a re-release uh, a couple years ago. And oh. I was like, this is like seeing this for the very first time. And uh, I've just been dying for a 4K release of it ever since. And I'm just like, they would make I so much money. I was obsessed with that movie. I, uh, I had the piano book for it. I would practice all the music on it. I was obsessed. Did you play it? Did you play the music and oh, sing yeah. to it? Oh, oh yeah. When my parents yeah. were at home, it was just me in the house. Oh, yeah. I was yes. like, pound out my feelings on the piano. Come what may, you know? I mean, I'm not opposed to still doing that. Not on the piano, but I will <laughs> sing along okay. happily. But the version of Roxanne in that movie. Oh, Absolutely it's hot. hot sexual incredible and i listen to it i like it better than the actual like version by the police so i'm glad that we're all in agreement (laughs) 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 that's how you know there's gays in the room and everyone knows Uh that's a better version of roxanne (laughs) anyway absolutely (laughs) and i mean i just think that's an obvious answer so (laughs) good god no I, i found my people I'm, I found my people. I'm very glad about that. Exactly. Same. As, so as as you're like finding horror movies as an adult, what would you say are some of like your, like your favorites? Uh, some of my favorite horror movies. Oh, wow. Um, how many can I love? <laughs> I want you to top 100. Oh, right now. wow. No, oh, I'm God. kidding. Oh, God. <laughs> I feel like I'm in Drop Dead Gorgeous. I've spelled it a few states. Um <laughs> I really loved The Witch for something okay. a little more recent. I adored that. I love the new Suspiria and the old Suspiria. I'm really fond of the 90s slashers, all of them, from, you know, Valentine to Scream. <laughs> that was, you know. Oh, Valentine. During, you know, your formative teenage years when, yep. you know, that's the type of the Jessica Biel Texas Chainsaw and the original mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw. I actually really like a lot of the remakes just because I was at the right age to receive them properly. So I still really enjoy them. I can appreciate that not all of them are great, but I have fun with them. When a stranger um, calls. Ugh, RIP. By RIP, I mean disappointing. Yeah. I, no, I, I don't like that one. Okay, <laughs> I good. Don't go all strongly <laughs> on the record. I do not like when a stranger calls remake. <laughs> the OG is so good. Ugh. I have never actually seen the OG because I hate. I saw the remake and I hated it so much. I didn't even oh, want to okay, see the. Okay, uh, the remake is basically like the original. I, yeah. The first, the first act of the original is basically blown up to be the entire remake. Like, oh, that's so the weird. remake is like the 
the entire first act of that movie stretched out to what an hour and a half oh god not good not good i love new french extremity like i love those okay when i'm in the right headspace um (laughs) but i do really love them um i don't know i just like a lot of horror blair witch fantastic um Last year, Mary Beth hates Blair Witch. Oh, really? No, no, she doesn't. (laughs) She has the (laughs) Uh, Doctor the Found Footage Queen. (laughs) Fuck you! (laughs) I just love to give her anytime that comes up. I just love to give her a hard time. I just really like horror, you know, and all of it. It's 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 fucking great. It's the best genre. And I have really bad anxiety and stuff. And so uh, people are like, how do you love horror movies? And I was like, have you not seen all the studies about how it helps anxiety? Exactly. I I think a lot about that, especially with – so I have OCD that kind of manifests as intrusive thoughts more than like, you know, what you kind of think of when you think of OCD. And like New Friends Extremity and films like that that are like really gory, like are really interesting, have been really interesting ways for me to like deal with intrusive thoughts and like see that on screen in a, in a way that's like really helpful for processing that kind of thing. So like it's really, it can be really helpful. Obviously not for everybody, but like for some right. people it is incredibly, th- <laughs> for some people it, it can be incredibly therapeutic and I'll, yeah, I'll and say before, that forever I mean, and ever and ever. Films in general can teach you so much about yourself and about humanity in ways that you wouldn't understand. I mean, all forms of entertainment, you know, the storytelling, books, TV shows. Yeah. Um, and horror specifically, the way it can deal with your fears and just, I don't know, horror is very comforting to me. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, it's just always there. There's, you know, you can go back and watch your favorites a million times. There's always new horror movies coming out. Um, some better quality than others. We've been very blessed the last couple of years. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Incidentally, the most fun I had last year was with Orphan First Kill, and I think the best Ugh. ones that came out was that X Pearl double whammy. For the record, in case anyone was wondering, <laughs> those are both really good. No, I always think back to what, what was what Wes. Oh my god, Let me try that again. I always think back to what Wes Craven said about how horror is like the boot boot camp for your psyche. Because I always feel like people that watch horror and that can consume horror are able to like deal with real life things a little bit easier than other people, personally. Maybe. I can be kind of a hot mess, so I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> <laughs> attest to that. But I feel like in bad situations, I'm generally the one that has a better handle on things because, you know, I've seen all the possibilities that could go wrong. <laughs> exactly. Um so let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, we will start talking about your Scarred for Life pick, Clayton. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, 
Also, small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back. <laughs> so, Clayton, what film did you bring with you today for us to discuss? I brought the seminal classic Toy Story from 1995. Fuck yeah. All right. So in Toy Story, a cowboy doll is profoundly threatened and jealous when a new <laughs> spaceman action figure supplants him as top toy in a boy's bedroom. Best I love- synopsis of Toy Story I've ever read in my entire life. I love I, IMDb. I loved that synopsis. IMDb, Is that man. the IMDb they, synopsis? Uh-huh. It oh my god. <laughs> profoundly <laughs> threatened. No. Profoundly threatened. threatened. <laughs> Okay, I mean, so speaking about wrong. being true, it, it it's it's very accurate. It's just a little um I don't know, a little over the top maybe, but but speaking <laughs> of being profoundly threatened, take us back to when you first saw this movie. How old were you? How did you see it? Why is this one your scarred for life pick? Well, I was I think around eight. It would have just come to VHS. I was a major Disney kid. We had heard about how amazing Toy Story was and everything, so I watched it and I didn't like it. Um, that's not just, <laughs> I was terrified by this film. I okay. hated the thought of my toys coming to life when I wasn't looking. I couldn't handle that. I didn't, I'm just like, I want them to be toys that I play with. And then they're just like inanimate objects. I just don't want something watching me all the time. I don't like them. Like, creeping around i mean just the thought itself was just horrifying i'm like this is not a friendly little children's story this is nightmarish like who the fuck thought of this and i really hated it and also you know all the mutated toys they really creep me out the one with the baby doll head and the spider legs that are made of metal just horrifying and then not to mention the era of cgi (laughs) that made the people look just off nightmarish absolutely yeah i i really deeply made me uncomfortable and then when toy story 2 came out my uncle really loved toy story he thought it was amazing you know because he was an adult and i feel like you can appreciate those a lot more as an adult and uh, so he had like you know woody and jesse and buzz like dolls that were life-size and the Jesse one, I like didn't even want to be in the same room with it. It freaked me oh, out no. so much. Um, so Toy Story, I like I went and saw the third one in theaters and appreciated it and everything. But even watching it again for this podcast, the original Toy Story, I was uncomfortable. I didn't. I was just like, oh, this is creepy. This is still creepy. I understand why it's a good story, but this is fucking creepy. <laughs> and it's because the, the toys come alive. Yeah, is that, it's is, just the toys what, coming alive yeah. and the animation and just it's just creepy, creepy stuff. And yeah, uh, otherwise, the other thing I didn't pick this because somebody had already done it and Toy Story did disturb me more. But that scene in Jumanji when the kid uh. turns into a monkey 
deeply traumatized yeah. me as well. I still, as an adult, I won't watch the original Jumanji. I'm like, I love Robin Williams. It's so fun, but I just don't want to see that effect on screen ever again. I, I get that. I'm just thinking back, like, for me, um, as a kid, I had, like, an obsession with toys. And I toys were like my life as a, as a kid growing up. And I, I think I grew up in like the perfect time for him because it was like the eighties had all of these wonderfully bizarre franchises coming out and toys and people were making kids toys based off of like rated R movies. It was just like this wild time to be a fan of, of toys. And I had such an appreciation for them. Did, did you have that growing up? I love toys in a sense, but I was much more okay. of like, I always wanted to be reading books from the second okay. I was able to read. I just wanted to be reading all the time or watching movies. Those were the two things. It's just all I wanted to do. I would play, but it wasn't um, my primary. But I did really like toys. One of my favorite toys was actually a Velociraptor from, I think, when The Lost World came out. It was a stuffed Velociraptor, but it had like, yeah. actual hard claws for its little, oh, okay. you know, it, it was oh, fun. Wow. I loved it. And I think its head was also like solid plastic, but its body was stuffed. And it was awesome. And I oh. took it everywhere with me. <laughs> I was just curious if you'd ever like side eye your toys after watching Toy Story. Uh, yes. I just, I didn't like it. I don't think I played with them for a little bit just because. Then again, I might have. I really can't remember, but I either would have been afraid that they were mad that I didn't play with them or <laughs> <laughs> I think it did change my relationship with toy with toys for sure. Yeah. Which is sad because toys are fun. Toys are fun. Oh, this yes. movie irrevocably <laughs> fucked up my relationship with toys forever. This movie okay. fucked it up forever. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Let's um, dig into this... that. <laughs> so, I love this movie. Like, I love this movie. I watched it a lot as a kid. I saw the second one and cried. The third one in theaters made me fucking cry. Was it the third one? Yeah, the third one's the one that will make you bawl. I saw that. Yeah, that. yeah. They're in yes, like the little thing cry. heading to the fire. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I <laughs> and saw he's that packing and... up to go to college, I think. At the yes. Very end. Yes. So um, I loved toys. This is my baby doll. No one can see it if you're listening to this, but this is the baby doll that I got when I, for my first Christmas from my dad's mom. And I've had her ever since, and everyone hates her, but I love her deeply. Her name is just Baby, and I refuse to ever put clothes on her, so she's covered in stains. Her eyes won't stay open. She's disgusting, <laughs> and I love her. And my husband hates her because she looks like a haunted doll. Like, look uh-huh. at her fucking face. Like, look at this fucking psycho. I, I like, can see this and can confirm it looks like a terrifying haunted doll that you would see. Like, like, in like an asylum shit. found footage movie. Like I fucking like pulled off her arm like six times. I like I left her somewhere and she got covered in water. Her face is like dirty as fuck. Like she's so I've had this is like I'm almost 30. I've had this doll for almost 30 years. Like this bitch has come everywhere with me. She has come to every move, everything. And now she probably sits on my desk um next to my creepy clown doll that I have. So I love toys specifically i love stuffed animals i collected them a ton i loved them as a kid i had beanie babies oh yeah i just to give you an idea of what this movie did to me i had my beanie babies lined up on my bed and i would i would rotate it every night so no one would get sad or jealous that i was cuddling with one of them more (laughs) than the other (laughs) don't need a woody buzz lightyear fighting going on no. no and 
to the point that like there are still sometimes twinges in my head where I worry that she's mad at me because I don't give her enough attention. Like I, <laughs> in my logical adult brain, I know that this is not real and this is an inanimate object. Okay. But I still sometimes get scared that she thinks I don't love her. <laughs> and this movie did this to me. <laughs> to be fair. To be fair, if any doll was going to come alive and kill you and in anger, it would probably be that one. I love Baby. She's adorable. <laughs> but of any doll to come alive, like, I'm not worried about the great Mighty Pooh, which is behind me, coming alive and, and murdering me. But that doll? I'm probably going to see that doll in my nightmares, Mary Beth. Seriously. You, like, look how dirty she is. Like, this is so, like, I'm, like, just, like, drug a little butt. Like, look at the little butt. <laughs> Just, <laughs> that was amazing. I still have a stuffed animal from childhood that I named Chance because of Homeward Bound, but it is a stuffed Aww. jaguar, and Aww. it is still still on my bed to this day, and I also worry sometimes, like, he'll get jealous of my cat. Like, it's just, this You're movie You're not the only me. one. <laughs> but, like, I wanted my toys to be alive, and, like, this is probably pretty sad. I think I was, like, a super lonely kid, so I wanted my toys to be alive because they were the toys that, they, like, got me. Like, I, like, was convinced that they'd all be my best yeah. friend and that, like, we would hang out all the time and, like, it would be great. So, like, I wanted my toys to be alive all the time. Like, I would set little traps to find out if they were real or not. Oh, Like, I, I was, before like... Before or after this movie? After. Like, after. after. Like, this movie, it was, like, my dream. Like, I was, like, fuck yeah. If my, if my goddamn toys can come alive and hang out with me and love me, like, fuck yeah. But then it also fucked me up because I was, like, oh, my God, they have feelings. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my God. I am like I everyone is just so mad and there's there's weird social dynamics going on with my toys and I don't want that to be happening. So like <laughs> power struggles. Yeah, like it was it seriously like I would get so worried about like toys that were kept in certain parts of my room versus others like it definitely again this speaks to the neuroses that I have that have continued into adulthood that have manifested in different ways. But like I have squishmallows that, like, I make sure, like, are organized so people, like, they all get... It's so weird. It's, like, it's... I'm in therapy, I promise. Um, but, like... Same. This this movie, like, I think tapped into this, like, part of me that was, like, I want my toys to love me and my, I want my toys to feel loved. Because I think, yeah, it, it definitely had a very deep impact on me as a child. Um... Like, aggressively so. And I love it so much, but it's so hard. It's, like, such a heartbreaking movie. And seeing that at an age where, as a kid who was, like, dealing with divorced parents and, like, people-pleasing, like, it was like, no, now my toys are mad at me, too. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, you know, really, uh, sorry, that's a downer, but, <laughs> like, no, it was really formative for me. And, yeah. It's a powerful film. It is. It's a, yeah, it is. It can be for some people. Um, I, you know, it's it's interesting. You, Mary Beth, you're talking about how you you might have been a lonely kid and you really loved your your toys. That was the same way I was. And one of the things that I really like uh, on a rewatch with this movie is the opening scene where um, the kid is playing with all of his toys, regardless of what genre you know it was. It's like everyone's going to pull them all together and we're going to create stories out of it. And that's what I did as a kid. I remember having this old Fisher Price. I had this, this very specific memory. Um, when I was watching this, there's this old Fisher Price, uh, zoo like playset that I would 
use as like a battleground and I'd have GI Joes fighting um, Thundercats and Ninja Turtles and all of these things fighting at this zoo. And it just watching this opening sequence where it's like, we're going to, I'm going to create this whole story involving a sheriff and involving potato head and involving like a slinky dog used being a force field, like all the kind of creativity just brought me back to being a kid and being obsessed with all of my toys. And I think that's one thing that this movie does incredibly well. And I think what I also, I, I, the chaos of like the birthday party at the beginning also like was really stressful to me and still is very stressful because, and like I, in rewatching and thinking about it, like it has horror movie vibes in a way, a little bit with like, especially because I think this movie captures scale really well and making you really realize like how small the toys are. It doesn't kind of do that thing where it's like, Oh, we're just going to kind of like, budget and like not like really worry about perspective but here they really do that really well like them getting on and off the bed using the binoculars like like how hard it is for them to climb up the desk and do all this stuff and this point this this beginning part really solidifies it and my favorite is always like they're like they're they're all anxious because they're like what fucking toys is he gonna get that are gonna like come and be competition and like man what neurotic toys they like woody like i think also spoke to me as like a neurotic person i'm like woody is like king of neuroses and anxiety and like i appreciate i appreciate that and the part where the kid they're like oh it's a small toy and they turn to the side and they're like no and it's like the massive toy, yes. the massive present. And they're like, ah, no. Like, that always gets to me. And I think the other part at the beginning that really got me was when she stepped on the army man. And he was like, and you were like, oh my God, she just killed him. Like I that know. always, especially on rewatches, like got to me. Because whenever like I would break a toy, I'd be like, oh my God, I would be so upset. So that whole beginning sequence always sticks out in my head between like the army man being broken and the fucking um birthday party scene like chaos ensuing with just kids everywhere screaming like how terrifying is toys to see all of those loud giants sprinting towards you and throwing you around and things like holy shit it's like the kids version of the entire movie of mother (laughs) (laughs) incredible comparison wow 10 out of 10 thank you (laughs) Wow. I had a realization on this on this on this rewatch, um, and I'll, I'll I'll explain how I first saw this movie a little bit later. But this is pertinent. I just had this this thought as I was watching this movie, where in some ways I was kind of Sid. I didn't blow any toys up or anything like that, but I do remember having. I can't remember what doll it was maybe it was did she I, i'm wondering if she had real real hair it was some doll that i had that had real hair and i remember cutting the hair off <laughs> and then thinking that it was going to grow back but then she ended oh, up just having little little spiky hairs mm-hmm. and then i also remember pulling <laughs> off the heads of he-man of the he-man dolls and because they could pop off and then I'd put on like Skeletor's head onto <laughs> He Man's body and do all this. And I was like, Did you make them oh, kiss? Yeah. Good. Obviously. <laughs> I-, I made my Brad Stalls kiss. So, like, <laughs> I just um, had this, like, this, this thought. I was like, Oh, God, was I a Sid growing up? Did my dolls like, hate me? Like, I mean, just, did you have barbed yeah. wire around your headboard? No. I would have probably liked it as a kid. Well, <laughs> I mean, Jesus. <laughs> I think we're done. I think that's it. I think we're done with the podcast. Um, wow.
Yeah, it just left the room on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, so another thing about this movie that I think really messed with my head was when they go, they go to Pizza Planet for Andy. Is it Andy's? Yeah, dinner. It's a dinner at Pizza Planet before they move. Mm-hmm. And one Pizza Planet obsessed with it forever. I wish Pizza Planet was real. What a good oh, name me too. for uh, a pizza place slash like an arcade, like iconic, incredible. And we get the we get the moment where like Woody has been, already been kind of like usurped by Buzz Lightyear. Woody is Tom Hanks. Buzz Lightyear has uh, LOL Tim Allen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Noted conservative piece of garbage (laughs) and absolute cretin Tim Allen. Um, It's like this this sinister nature of of Woody knocking Buzz behind the fucking desk with an RC car. And then, but then they get left at the fucking Pizza Planet, which was always my biggest like fear as a kid was leaving my toys places. Like, and it happened, I was the kid that if my toy was left somewhere, like, I would have a meltdown. Like, I would not be able to be, I could, it was, like, inconsolable. Like, if I left baby at my dad's house when I came home um, from his house to my mom's, like, I would cry. Like, I would need him to go, my dad to go back and get it. Like, it was, like, a whole fucking thing. So, like, the idea of, like, losing your toy and then watching them go on this, like, epic journey to come back to you, it's just, like. My friends, my poor, my poor friends. <laughs> it is really tragic. I will agree. I just still so. think it's creepy. <laughs> no, I mean, like, it definitely is incredibly fucking creepy. Like, and again, like, we see the, the claw. We have the iconic claw. Okay, that the moment. Claw. The iconic claw, because we have Woody and Buzz being left behind. They crawl, they crawl into the machine. With our right, they crawl into the machine, right? Because oh, yeah. Buzz thinks mm. Buzz, Buzz is like thinks that's it's a the... spaceship home. Uh-huh. It's like, <laughs> oh honey, no, oh it's not. And we get our little, our iconic little, bo- our iconic little alien boys who are mm-hmm. like a cult to the claw. <laughs> the claw, <laughs> which is hysterical. They have their own like little culture like that. And that's the like another reason I chooses. love this fucking movie is that it takes these like things that you don't think like these innocuous things that are just like in all arcades and it becomes like this whole little ecosystem and society and it's like that's and it just like made my like little tiny brain just go insane when I like and now I feel like I always say the claw whenever I see a claw machine. Oh yeah, you have to. It's kind of a a subtle. Um, critique of religion too, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> goodbye, my brothers and sisters. I will see you. <laughs> yeah, he he. Because at one point, he literally says, "Like, I have been chosen. I'm going to go to a better place." As Sid is literally taking him up in order to feed him to his dog. <laughs> like, this is a very. It's it's, just it, there's a lot of subversive things so in this good. movie. And again, like it's that iconic kind of thing from Pixar. Because this is one of this is this is Pixar. This is their first movie. Yeah, but yeah. So this is like I think setting a lot of the tone for what Pixar does. Because I think Pixar movies are so good at being kids' movies, but also for adults, like speaking to things that grown ups will understand and appreciate, while not like making it too like serious for kids. And I, I always mm-hmm. have appreciated that about Pixar movies. And Toy Story, I think, does that so well. And also, but again, like takes kids seriously. I think Pixar has always taken kids seriously in their movies, and I've always appreciated that as like 
knowing that kids can watch weird stuff and still really enjoy it and like get something out of it. They don't have to like treat them like they're dumb. And I like that. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I, okay. So I was 14 when this came out and I was not about seeing this movie. So I did not actually see this movie until I think Toy Story 3 came out. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. Okay. And I was like, because like my friends really wanted to go see Toy Story 3. And I was like, I haven't seen any of them. And so I remember sitting down as an adult and watching one and two. I don't remember much about two. And then seeing three in the movie theater. And I, I'm i not a huge fan. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I'm not really a huge fan of Toy Story. Uh, I was a big fan of the third one. The third one broke me. Uh, I bawled in the movie theater at the very end. Uh, but this first one, I still, even now watching it, it doesn't really do it for me. <laughs> I, I hate to say, but yeah, I, I don't know. And I, I know I'm like alone in this, in this thought, but I just, there's just, I don't know. There's something about it that uh, it's fine. <laughs> Although I, I will really say. really refreshing to hear actually. <laughs> oh yeah. But also I think the reason is at that point in everything, Pixar has done so much cool stuff since then. Yeah. Whereas at the time, like that was a revolutionary way to tell a kid's story. And now, you know, that's not that special. Even by the time of Toy Story 3, Toy Story 1 would have seemed kind of inconsequential in the scope of stories they were telling. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely think like my attachment to it has a lot to do with the age I saw it and like the kind of way, like it, like the formative kind of influence it had on me. And, like, I can understand that seeing it. You're like, oh, this is good. But, like, Pixar has done some really interesting stuff since then. And, like, at 14, it's not necessarily going to resonate. It's resonated as much when you're like, I'm 14. Like, this is, like, not for me. Like, I want to watch older kids shit. Like, knowing you, I'd just be like, this is not, like, I'm not, I'm too old for this shit. Like, absolutely Uh not kind of thing. Mm. Which is fair. Yeah, but if I was if I was like your age, if I was like eight at the time when I saw it, if I was like a kid and I had toys, I probably would have been enamored with this. This would have been right up my alley. But like, yeah, as a 14 year old, it's like, I'm not going to go see this movie. And then I remember Monsters, Inc. came out. and I was like, I'm not going to go see that. I didn't see that till like my late 20s. I didn't see any of them. It was really good. (laughs) It's okay. What the fuck? <laughs> that one I won't stand by. That one I will. That I will not allow. That is not slander. I will stand here. Monsters Inc. is superior. Terry, this isn't Pixar, but how do you feel about Beauty and the Beast? Oh, I love Beauty and the Beast. Well, okay. I have not seen it well, since I was like, when did that come out? Was that ninety? Ninety? Ninety one? I have no idea. Yeah, ninety one. That, that movie changed me, but that in a different kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I saw that one. I would have been. I guess I would have been 10 when that when I saw that in the movie theater. I remember seeing that in the movie theater, and I really enjoyed it. But uh, I would that was love like, to see that in the theater. It was gorgeous. Do you know what my favorite part of, of Toy Story is? What's that? When the fucking shark comes up next to uh, Woody with the hat yes. and goes, I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> I quote that so often and for no reason. Like it doesn't. That like, is the weirdest like, thing for to be your favorite part. Howdy, howdy, howdy! It's the best part. The little squeaky shark. <laughs> they even have like the little air vent that you have. They have in those toy sharks mm-hmm. that make the squeaky sound, and it's just so cute. I don't. That is my favorite part of the whole movie. I know it's two seconds and it's dumb, but it's just like <laughs> the way that they make they give all of these toys personalities yeah. is just so fucking good and so 
cute and makes it so much more than just like a kids movie about toys but like it just again it's the heart that they put into these movies that makes everything feel so tragic and so sad and like the the perilous journey they undertake to like get back to their kid feels so much like the stakes feel so big and that shark was voiced by uh jack angel who would go on to voice teddy in ai oh oh shit really mm-hmm. <laughs> There's, I mean, like the cast here is like Don Rickles. The voice cast is fantastic. <laughs> it really Don is. Mr. Potato Head. Oh, Mr. He's Potato great. Head. The, the cast is fantastic. Jim Varney as the Slinky Dog. I remember him from Ernest. Like that, I was a huge Ernest fan when I was a kid. Wallace, Wallace Shawn, who was um, yes, uh, Princess, <laughs> Princess Bride. Princess Bride. He was the, the also in Gossip Rex. Girl. <laughs> He was a Gossip Girl. I fucking totally forgot Girl. that. Oh my god, John Ratzenberger was the was Ham, the piggy mm-hmm. bank. Annie Potts. Annie mm-hmm. Potts is Bo Peep. Laurie Metcla- Metcalf as Mrs. As Davis. Mom. Yeah. I love how everyone's like, it, it, my favorite in the voice cast, let's sing on Wikipedia, they have Laurie Metcalf as Mrs. Davis, Andy and Molly's single mother. Like, I love how they have to, like, draw attention to the fact that there's no dad. Because <laughs> okay. I think that there is such a, but there's, like, some fuck up tragedy story going on around here, around, like, Andy and the, like, we don't really get the full picture, but something weird is going on with Andy and his family. I mean, that's a, that's a Disney formula. They hardly ever have well-adjusted together parents. It's always just one. Somebody dies, they're divorced, or it's just never mentioned. But it's... I think Andy's dad did something bad and left. Okay. Because, like, how bad? Well, I don't know. But, like, I I think he is no longer in the picture, but not because he passed away or something. Because I went down on a deep dive after oh, watching yeah, this did. today, because okay. this is what I do. And um, I did find some articles like talking about the setup because the dad's never mentioned they're moving from a bigger house to a small house. By the end of the movie, they have moved into a smaller house. There are no pictures of the father on the wall whenever we see them. Mm-hmm. He just does not exist. Um, the baby is young. So it's, so it's not as if, if, if he had passed away, there probably would still have been pictures because the baby is still a young baby and it wouldn't have been something that like – you know, we threw out or we got rid of. She's not wearing a wedding ring. So I think he either abandoned the family or they are they're getting a messy divorce and she is is leaving. There is something going on there. I I'm in on that theory. All those points are true and add up to yeah. And also like to be perfectly honest, I feel like knowing that Disney loves to like exploit a dead parent. If there was a dead parent, I feel like they would have oh. worked that in somehow. You know what I mean? Would have mm-hmm. been like, oh, oh yeah, Andy's from sad because his dad died, or like there would have been like a toy that was like his dad's favorite toy, or some like fucking sad shit like that. Like that. So I, I could, I, I could see that. I feel like a while ago I read like fan theories about this. Like, why am I reading two story fan theories? <laughs> What is happening right now? Well, and it would explain why his, like, two favorite toys are kind of parental figures. Yeah. Male parental figures. Fuck. I never fucking thought about that. So, I mean, there's there's something there. I just really like that he has a Bo Peep toy. I do love that he has the Bo Peep toy. He does. He has a good range of toys. He does, but, like, his favorites are old dad and new dad. Mm Mm-hmm. That's too much for me to my daddy issue ass to process right now. Um, yeah. Like, I don't want to watch it again, but I kind of want to watch it again just to, 
view it through this new lens. Okay, but we get to Sid. And oh, God. Oh, yeah, the, is... actu- the actual scary part, not the existentially right. anxiety-inducing rest of it. <laughs> Honestly, Clayton, what I, what I was like, when, when you said Toy Story, I was like, oh, obviously it's going to be Sid and the mutilated <laughs> dolls, because that's, t- that's terrifying. Yeah, that and was like the, just my the, secondary the, fear for it. <laughs> I know, that's what, that's what kills me, because it's like, that is like, oh, yeah, it makes sense, Toy Story. Someone, and I, I mentioned to someone, I was like, yeah, we're going to, we're recording Toy Story, and they're like, that scarred someone for life. I was like, yeah, I'm sure it's the toys. Like the the Sid in this toy is like, oh yeah, that is scary. <laughs> and so I was like immediately like, yeah, that's what we're gonna talk about. And so that's kind of what I was focusing on when when I was rewatching this last night. And you know, the dolls are are really fucked up, and they are presented in such a horror way. Like there is a it's lot of horror homages like a horror in this. movie. Any of those scenes? Yeah. <laughs> when they fucking crawl up under the bed, when like they the sorry, light. They- Yes, it's the light so that's like moving back and forth, scary. and they're just like just come out of the shadows, and like it almost. I mean, they you know, Buzz calls them cannibals because they go and they like you know swarm the 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 body parts, and it's like what the fuck is what the fuck is going on here? And it is precious that it's like teaching, like it doesn't matter what somebody looks like and stuff because yes. they end up you know being good and helping, even though they looked scary. But it doesn't take away from the fact that they look fucking scary. I'm 34 years old and I'm still like, that is some fucked up shit on screen right now. Yeah. Yeah. It it definitely. And like, they didn't. I'm trying to. I, I obviously even watched that, but I'm still trying to think. Like, did they? They don't. Did the toys. They know that they, the toys know of Sid. They know of Sid's behavior. Do they? Do they allude to the fact that he does weird shit to his toys too at any point? Because I feel like they talk like a little bit about like. Sid being a weird kid and doing weird shit to toys and it's like kind of like the urban le- like even the urban legend amongst the toys that like there are weird things that lurk in this kid's house. I mean, we get the the image of of Sid blowing up um an army man. I mean, it wasn't an That's army right. man. I forget what That's they're called, right. yeah. but it was like some bigger army doll that he blows up with a <laughs> with a a firework. So like we we do get little hints of that, but I don't yeah. think I don't think it really alludes to the fact that he tears apart his toys and reforms them. Yes. Tears the heads off of his his sister's toys and reforms them. Like, he's a bad dude. God, the fucking... like I'm looking at all of them right now, and I just love them all so much. The little car with the t- with the legs is all- one of my favorites, but also the um, Jack in the Box with the creepy like Frankenstein the creepy hand, hand that drags like itself, dragging itself along the floor. Oh, it's so creepy! And again, like it is, it feels like we're in like a horror movie setting. Like and again, like Mad Scientist vibes too with everything. It's just like so deeply unsettling in the way it's framed. Like I love. They know exactly what they're doing with hor- like horror tropes playing is that here, and it's incredible. Yeah, and there's well, there's also a lot of horror homages in this. Uh, I love the first one that I that I that really jumped out at me was uh, the Whack a Mole game at at Planet Hollywood or Planet Hollywood, the Planet what is it called? Uh, Rocket Pizza, Pizza Planet. Pizza Planet. <laughs> there's like there's the Whack a Mole game, but it's like chestbursters, and they have to like smack the, oh, the chestbursters down. Oh yeah. And then the carpet outside of Sid's room is the shining carpet. Yes! Fuck yes. Oh, I, yeah. and the, the, I wondered the that when I was watching it. I was like, is that? Yeah. It's totally the shining I will carpet. say, speaking of the creepy toys, I do love the fact that there is a hooker toy. 
I find that very <laughs> oh my funny. God, the, it's just so good. I love her. Apparently, like, so Collider has an article about 10 times Pixar referenced The Shining. So this is like a continued thing throughout Weird. throughout the movies with like Sid's carpet they bring up they bring up um uh Apollo 11 um and rocket ship references they bring up um there's like something there's a couple things in Toy Story 3 uh wow. there's like a huh. lot there's a lot huh. of horror of, of those kind of references here that that's I think is weird. I think that's fantastic that's cool but weird I love I guess, a again, lot going of weird to show, shit around like, the signing <laughs> yeah I mean, I fucking love that he takes the pterodactyl doll and rips off the doll head and puts the pterodactyl head. I love it. It's my favorite. I would love that doll. Um, my f- my favorite moment, though, is the lava lamp with the heads floating in it. Yes! What the fuck? That is really cool. But I mean, as a child, that's really horrifying. Yes. Absolutely. Like now I was like, that's cool. This is still creepy. But like, that's cool. This kid's at least like creative. He's going to like grow up to be a serial killer. But, you know. Like, yeah. I just, like, I guess I could, like, never conceive of, like, doing that to my toys as, like, Mm-mm. a child. Never. Like, I didn't know that you could do that. Like, I, I I felt like it was breaking a rule to, like, do something like that to your toys. And, which, again, speaks to me being, like, a rule person. But, like, it was something I was like, I didn't think you could do that. I also want to bring up the fucking first person pov we get when sid comes like when they bring the fucking toys home and we get the pov of the toys from sid's backpack as he's running through the house and again found footage freak here but just love getting toy pov from a backpack at like that level of the dog barking of like of the sister of him running into the room like it's just of him throwing the toy to the dog to be a chew toy yes (laughs) and like the and again like setting up of the horror it sets up the horror so well you're like oh my god of things to come like our fate is so is fucked it's just well even the alien shouting nirvana is coming the mystical portal (laughs) awaits as he throws him to the dog scud to be like tore into it's like yeah what the fuck oh god it's awful it's just awful this movie movie is just so good and i also i will say i did kind of wish i could have all those locks on my door like sid did <laughs> I, do I, love, little, I do love all of his locks <laughs> i had little brothers so i was like i want those locks on my door never speak to me kind of thing um my my favorite moment though on a rewatch is is buzz's um existential crisis same he finally <gasps> realizes that he is actually a toy and he like is at a tea party <laughs> with 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 Sid's sister, and I'm trying to I'm trying to pull up my notes on on where that was. But he um he's having a dinner party, and the dolls are are headless. He has lost his arm, and he is acting drunk. And he's talking about how one minute you're defending the whole galaxy, then you're sucking down Jar- Darjeeling with Marie Antoinette and her little sister, <laughs> and it's such a a surreal moment of so comedy. Good. It, I just like this is this is fantastic, and these poor dolls that have lost their head, and he is just going down that rabbit hole of fuck. My life is a joke, and he pulls off the sticker that has on his arm, and it's just like this moment was was my favorite. That was mine as well. I did really appreciate that as a man what in his thirties. <laughs> Like what was the name he gave himself? But like Mrs. Oh, Nesbitt. Yeah, Mrs. Nes- Mrs. Nesbitt. Nesbitt. Mrs. Nesbitt. That's what. It <laughs> Can't is. you see Mrs. the hat? I'm Mrs. Nesbitt. 
weird movie. It's just like you look back on it and like rewatching it, and you're like, this is such a weird fucking movie to have watched as a kid and loved, but it's just so good. It's just so good. And it's huge. They just announced another one. Yeah, oh, did one, they really? Right? Yeah, they just announced that they're doing a Toy Story 5. I have not seen the fourth one. Like today, actually. Yeah, oh, wow. literally today. I saw it. I didn't even read the article. I just saw it because I was like, well, that's weird. <laughs> that That's weird. That is why I, I will say that um, as an adult, watching Woody's friends turn on him so viciously. And so quickly. Is a lot. So, yeah, so quickly. Yeah. It's a like, lot. Like, I, I get it. He pushes him over the edge, you know, he's, like, tossing him out the window on, kind of on accident. He didn't mean for that to happen. But they just, like, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, we're sacrificing you. You're gone. And I'm just, like, this is, this is actually kind of cruel. There's, like, there's no, for- the only time forgiveness comes up is all of a sudden Buzz is there. And it's like, oh, Buzz is there. We're all happy. Everything. And I'm like, poor Woody. Like, yes, he's a jealous little bitch, but poor Woody. I felt bad. Yeah, I it felt is. It's not a little bit, but also I think Woody is kind of an asshole. So <laughs> Woody is an asshole, but he still he should have been allowed to explain himself. That's true. It's true. But it's okay. We have a happy ending and multiple other movies of them navigating being a toy. Fucking Jesse's story in Toy Story 2 ruined my life. That was the saddest thing of all time. Was like, my little girl gave me up. Like, that was just too much for my brain in the second one. I don't know. Have you seen the second one, Terry? Mm-hmm. Did you watch it? Yeah, I, I don't remember much about it. Yeah. I just girl, remember the third the girl one, cowboy. mostly. The girl cowboy. Yeah. Fuck, I love, I love this movie. And obviously it shaped my young brain in a very fucked up sort of way. So you guys have seen them all, um, all four of them. I haven't seen yes. the fourth one. Okay, I have seen all four of them, but I did not watch the Buzz Lightyear movie. Uh, I did not watch the Buzz Lightyear movie either. I had no desire to see that movie. Mm-mm. I was good. None, like, none no, thank you. <laughs> four was actually I liked four, and it introduced one of my favorite things in the franchise with the character of Forky that was a toy made oh, out of trash. Yeah. And his whole entire thing of just being like, I'm trash and trying to jump in the, like, the trash can and everybody's always trying to get him out. Like, no, <laughs> like this trash that was given like, sentience. And it's really funny. <laughs> uh, well, do we want to wrap up and give us our rating out of five? Sounds good to me. Yeah. All right, Terry, you're up first. How many oh, mutated dolls out of five do you give to us? Um... Like three, <laughs> honestly. Okay. Like okay, okay. <laughs> I this movie doesn't really have any nostalgia factor for me. Um, watching it as a doll, they don't really have a whole connection to this one. Uh, the third one, I think the third one is fantastic. The third one like broke me probably in the same way that if I was a little kid watching the original Toy Story would have done to me. But like the mm. third one with the idea of like. Andy being a grown up and having to like give his toys away as someone that like loves, I mean, you can look behind me. I love toys. I love, I love them. I played with them much longer than I probably should have. I remember being like in high school and still like p- pulling out like the toys and playing with them. Aww. I was obsessed I with them. It. I remember being really embarrassed one time because my, my hot neighbor next door, his name was Joe. And he, I was like so obsessed with him and I was so deeply closeted, but I remember playing with like my brother's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys 
And he came in my room, like he, my parents just let him in the house and he came in my room and I was so fucking embarrassed because I like, I love toys. And so the third one with the idea of him going away and having to give, get rid of his toys, just like broke me and really spoke to me. But this one, this one just doesn't, it's, it's fine. It's good. I think it's funny. The cast is fantastic. Oh, that was one thing I wanted to bring up. Randy fucking Newman, his music. music. Yes. I'm not, I'm not a fan (laughs) And you know, I remember. Oh no, there's like <laughs> Randy, bitch. What? Don't be on my boy Randy. Oh Come my on, gosh. Man. No, there is a third. There is a not a Thirty Rock. There is a Family Guy episode where uh, Randy Newman is playing the piano, and it's the apocalypse, and the Family Guy's family, you know, comes up to him, and he's like, he is narrating everything that's going on and writing a song about it, and like that actually describes. Randy Newman style of writing music for a Toy Story because like there's the moment where, where where Buzz is like realizing that he can't fly and everything and the song is about I can't sail no more and he's like it, he's literally like it's almost as if he's watching what's happening on screen and just like pounding out on the keyboard and singing it and it makes it makes me laugh so much now I can't think of it anything else so sorry about that but <laughs> not my... okay that song is decent but again it's all very on the nose. It's all very on the nose. It is on the nose, but it's it's a children. You're just a fucking hater. <laughs> so yeah, I am. I'm a. I'm a three Terry for Minar me. Terry is certified hater. Certified hater. That's me. Um. Yeah. That's me. What about you, Mary Beth? Like uh, five. Yeah. This movie is just like everything to me. I think it's like an incredible piece of animation. I think it set Pixar off on an incredible journey of making deeply empathetic, emotional films that aren't just for kids. I think it obviously shaped the way I think in a lot of ways it, that is wildly like thinking about it before this podcast, like, Oh God, Toy Story dealt some psychic damage to me, like irreparable psychic damage, but that's okay. I love this movie for what it is and what it has kind of given me and what the whole series has been for me. So it's a five. Um, five exploding, stop exploding, mutilated dolls. I will gladly love them and cherish them in my home. Uh, Clayton, you have the final word. How many ex- uh, mutilated dolls out of five do you give Toy Story? Well, I think Toy Story, I appreciate everything it did um, and what would come after. I think Toy Story 3 is pretty much a perfect film. It also really creeps me out to this day, but it's it's good. I can't say I enjoyed it, but last night, <laughs> in all fairness, it's st- the fact that it still creeps me out this many years later. Yeah, you know, in a horror perspective, that's pretty fucking awesome. And you know, not a lot of things kept that kind of staying power. Yeah, um, yeah. But it is really well done. It's really well shot. That cast, I quite like the music. It's good. I appreciate it. I don't love it, love it, love it, and seeing the heights that things would go to. But I will split the difference and easily give it a four out of five mutilated toys. There we go. Love that. All right. Well, thank you so much, Clayton, for joining us to talk about Toy Story. Where can the listeners find you? And um, what do you have coming up on the podcast that you can share? Well, listeners can find me pretty much anywhere you get your podcast. Just men who like men who like movies. Uh you want to find me on socials i am at just happy to see you on twitter and letterbox number two letter c letter u we have um a 
Twitter and Instagram under Triple M Pod with three M's. We have a Facebook page, Men Who Like Men Who Like Movies. Um, you can pretty much just find us everywhere. What we have coming up, um, I'm not sure when this episode comes out, but just in the month of February, we had an episode on Valentine from 2001, you know, fun little slasher. Um, we've got an episode on Sleepless in Seattle about to come out. We are about to record an episode on Dracula, Bram Stoker's from you know, 92. That one's going to be really, really good. I'm really excited about that one. And to finish up February, we'll be doing the Kate Winslet, Leo DiCaprio reunion, Revolutionary Road. Oh, wow. You oh, know, wow. Nice little love story. Round it all out. Yeah. Awesome. Well, listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. What was your experience with Toy Story? You can send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm at MB McAndrews. And I'm McGaley Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And if you want to help support us, uh, sign up through Patreon. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. <laughs> to scratch there's a playful way you can do just that scratch with the key or acrylic nail scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail use a belt buckle from your friend lamar or scratch with your pick while you play guitar you can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways scratchers from the california lottery a little play can make your day please play responsibly must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. The right shoes can take an outfit from good to great. Allbirds elevates your everyday style with timeless comfort and supreme versatility. Like their all-new Courier, a shoe with nods to a classic silhouette for undeniable appeal and made from 100% organic cotton. The Allbirds Courier is a natural classic shoe that keeps up with each step you take throughout your day and night. 
And at the Allbirds Innovation Lab, they're doing all the sciencey stuff like research and testing to create shoes from natural, sustainable materials. So you can look good while doing good. Everyday comfort delivered. Allbirds All-New Courier. Elevate your supernatural style at allbirds.com today. And use code SOCKSTYLE for free socks with your purchase. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SOCKSTYLE.